everybody, welcome back to Looking for the Real God. This is Christy Lynn Wood. Today we're going to start the first of a three-part series through a bit of the Old Testament, comparing the God we think might exist to the God who really reveals himself to us. In talking to my friends and people in the online communities, I think one of our biggest problems with getting to know the real God is this God that we have in our head. It's like we have this idea of who God is, and we've got that idea, I don't know, from our Christian upbringing, from things we've read, things we've heard, just misunderstandings we have, misunderstandings we had as kids. But we have this God in our head, and we're pretty sure that's who he is. And so we just really struggle to get to know the real God or to even want to get to know the real God because this God in our head stands in the way. And I see this most often in the Old Testament. We think we have this idea of who God is in the Old Testament. And so we don't really like him very much. And this is the thing that I've noticed. Most people are okay with Jesus, unless you're some uber religious leader who doesn't like him at all and wants to crucify him. Most people are okay with Jesus, but they struggle with this God in the Old Testament. And we struggle with this because we don't really understand who he is. So I want to take you guys on a little journey that I experienced about a year and a half ago and just walk through some of the things that I thought I knew about God in the Old Testament and what I actually discovered when I read it for myself as a grown-up. You may have caught this by now, but I am a bit of a rebel. It's kind of like as soon as I discovered I could be rebellious about things after growing up in my um, very closed and controlled group. I was like, sure, let's do this. Let's be alternative. Let's be crazy. And so I kind of have this like strong opinion part of me versus, you know, outwardly just like, oh, you want to say that? Guess what? I don't think so. Kind of thing going on in my heart. And I try really hard to like, you know, not be too crazy, but it's totally there. So about a year and a half ago, I read an article online about a well-known preacher who had said that we as Christians should unhitch from the Old Testament. And growing up as somebody who was kind of abused by the Old Testament or by a certain interpretation of the Old Testament, like I could totally see why he maybe said that, you know, Christians should unhitch from their misuse of the Old Testament or something like that. But it sounded like he was trying to tell Christians that they should just like ditch the Old Testament. And so being the rebel that I am, I was like, oh, yeah, Christians should ditch the Old Testament. I'm going to go read the Old Testament. And so I did. I spent like the next four months puttering around in Judges and Ruth and 1 Samuel. And I don't know what I was expecting to find, but it wasn't what I actually found. As I made my way through Judges, I was just shocked by how much of the stories were missing. And I know it sounds silly, but I thought I knew these stories. I grew up in church. You know, I read the Bible myself multiple times, and I thought I had these stories down. But what I actually had was a version of the stories that had been taught to me or that I had somehow, you know, acquired these versions of these stories. And when I actually read the real stories, I was shocked to find that there was a significant portion of them that were missing. Things that I was sure were in the Bible that weren't actually there. And I was like, huh, this is how we get this idea of who God is. And then if you actually read the Bible for yourself, you start recognizing that. He's nothing like we think he is. 
So in last episode, I was really just trying to encourage you that God wants to be found, that he wants to be sought for, and that if you just give him a shot, like you're going to find him. And I think this is one of the things we really got to start with, because when we have these false ideas of who God is, we just can't go forward. Like we just get stuck. So I just want to take you through some of the things that I was shocked by and just kind of point you to who this real God might be. That maybe if you're having a hard time with the God of the Old Testament, maybe you're not really having a hard time with the God of the actual Old Testament. Maybe you're having a hard time with the God that was taught to you or the God that you thought was there. But as you read these stories and you read this history, you realize this is not who God really is. And I don't know, the thing that struck me the most was just how much he reminded me of Jesus, which totally makes sense, you know, since they're the same. And uh, Jesus said he was the image of the invisible God. But, you know, that's how we do it as people. We just we just screw it up. We're broken and we're enemies of God and we just struggle to really understand who he actually is. So let me just walk you through some of the things that I discovered as I was reading. So as I started the book of Judges, I honestly didn't totally remember all of it. I knew there was like stories of like Gideon and Samson and Deborah and stuff like that. And I also knew there was some sketchy stuff that happened kind of at the end of it, but I didn't really remember it a whole lot for myself. So the first thing that I was reading and it just stuck out to me uh, was in Judges 3. And it was just because I had this memory as a child of this Judge Ehud. And as a child, I remember someone telling me this probably in Sunday school about this left-handed judge who somehow made his way up to the evil king on the roof and snuck in a sword because he was left-handed. So his sword was on the other side and nobody found it. And then he just like plunged his sword into the fat king and the fat king died. And everyone thought he was um, using the bathroom. And so they didn't disturb him. And then they found out he was dead. And so I totally had that in my head because I mean, we used to play this game as kids. Like it's crazy. I think back and I'm like, wow, what kind of crazy children were we? But we had this wooden sword that my dad had made and we had a couch with some cushions and we would take turns, my brother and I, being Ehud, the judge, and the couch was the fat king. And we would plunge the sword in between the couch cushions and whoever was not being Ehud was the narrator. And they would say, and Ehud plunged his sword into the king and the fat closed over the handle. <laughs> so that's totally what I remember as I'm reading about Ehud. I'm like, yep, yep, got that one there. I remember that. But then I was just shocked by the next section because it's about Deborah and Barak or Barak, however you say it. And Deborah was the prophetess, basically. She was a judge and she was, you know, getting words from God and she was helping people to solve their disputes and stuff like that. And I totally remember this story being taught to us as though it was a bad thing that Deborah was a woman in leadership. I very clearly remember People telling me that the only reason Deborah was in leadership was because there were no good men to lead. And so it was almost a curse that, you know, she was judging the nation of Israel. And so I had this in my head and I'm reading and judges and I'm reading about Deborah and I'm reading about Barak. And I'm like, huh, there's absolutely no condemnation for her being a woman and a judge. Like it literally does not exist. It's simply historical, talking about this is what happened, and this is who she was, and this is what she did. And so I was like, wait a minute. And so I went online, and I started doing some research. And oh, yeah, they're out there. You can find articles talking about how it's bad that she was a woman in leadership. And you can talk, you know, talking about how 
she was only leading because there was no good men. But it's just opinions. And most of those articles were from, you know, conservative side people who I was real familiar with growing up kind of thing saying, you know, this is a bad thing. However, there's also articles out there that saying, hey, no, it's not a bad thing. And, you know, if God wanted to condemn her, he totally could have. And yet it's not there. Like there's no condemnation in Judges or anywhere else in the Bible talking about how it was a bad thing for her to be using these gifts that she'd been given. In fact, they were talking about, you know, if she actually had these gifts and these prophetic things, like she was given them by God. So, you know, if God wanted to pick somebody else, he could have. That was all just, you know, cultural tradition and stuff from these conservative Christians. And I was like, I knew it. I mean, kind of like, that's really exciting. I felt this way. I thought God is, you know, not impartial to gender. Like he totally can use whoever he wants to use. And it's just super exciting. It's that lack of condemnation. But as I kept going, I discovered there was a lot of lack of condemnation. Things that I was sure were there, you know, like Gideon. Gideon has no faith, you know, he asks for two signs. You remember that? Not only does he want the fleece to be dry and the ground to be wet, but he wants the fleece to be wet and the ground to be dry. Like he has to have these two signs. And um, I heard the story multiple times, just condemning him for a lack of faith. And it just wasn't there. Like there was no condemnation. The only condemnation that I found was ironically in the commentary. And it was almost like the commentator in my study Bible just couldn't help himself. Like he had to just jump in there and be like, yeah, but he didn't have any faith. And he really should have trusted God more. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I can't even, I can't even, I'm not even going to listen to you anymore. And so I just like stopped reading the commentary. Like, I just want to hear what the scripture says. I just want to hear what God has to say about this guy who's struggling to believe because Gideon was, you know, he's hiding from the bad guys when God finds him. And he's, you know, makes excuses about how, like, you shouldn't pick me. I'm the least. Like, I'm the least of it all. Like, I got nothing to offer. And he does. He needs two signs. Just just be sure that, you know, it's true. But who cares? God doesn't care. God just patiently works with him. Like, God picks him knowing that he has these weaknesses. And God gives him two signs happily. Like, there is no indication that God is disappointed in him or that he thinks he's not good enough or anything. He just works the guy. And I was like, wow, that is so cool. Like God is so filled with grace and mercy and love and just patience. And this reminds me a lot of Jesus. So then I got to Samson. And this part, I just, I was so confused because I was sure. Like I knew Samson was kind of like a narcissistic womanizing jerk. I, I knew that. But surely at the very end of his life, when he pushes down the temple and kills all the Philistines, surely there was this moment of repentance. I I was positive. So I read the story and yeah, Samson's got a lot of issues. He's definitely thinking about himself a lot and women. He likes women a lot and he likes revenge. And we get to the end with, you know, Delilah. She finally finds out his secret and she has her guys come in. They cut his hair off. He gets captured and taken away and be made to a slave and his eyes get gouged out and he's working and he's, you know, as a slave with the Philistines. At the very end of the story, he is brought into the temple to kind of show off. And I'm like, okay, this is the part where he repents. I know this. He repents. No, he doesn't repent. He never repents. He basically just asks for vengeance for his eyes. Like, oh Lord, hear me this one last time and give me vengeance for my eyes that they gouged out. And God listens to him gives him back his strength, and he pushes down the temple and kills everybody, including himself. End of the story. 
And I was like, what? How does this guy end up in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews chapter 11? Like, it's just not there. And so all I saw as I'm reading through this book of Judges is God using broken people, pursuing and using broken people for his own purposes. And it's not like the law hasn't been given yet. It totally has been. But you don't really see any mention of the fact that they're not following it perfectly or that they you know, have these issues. It's just God pursuing these people and using them despite their complete brokenness. And that just reminds me of Jesus. And I think we get this whole thing just so mixed up. We think of this God of the Old Testament as this condemning, judgmental, like angry God. And it's it's just not there. Like, yeah, he's big and yeah, he's powerful and scary and shakes mountains and causes lightning and thunder and stuff like that. But if you read it and you read it in context, you just discover, wow, he is just so good and so patient and so willing to just be there with these people and help them and listen to their prayers. And he doesn't expect perfection or have them to have it all together. He's just, he's just with them. And so as I think about that and I think about us, like I just want to encourage you guys, this God in your head, he doesn't exist. The angry, judgmental, vengeful God who's out to get you if you do something wrong, he's pretend. He's fake. He's not real. And I hope that just gives you a sense of relief. I hope you can believe that. Because if you can just ditch that fake God in your head and recognize that the God who is really real and who's really out there is nothing like that God, that he's good and patient and kind, that he is for you that all he wants is you. He is after his children and he does whatever it takes to get them back. That's the real God. And so I just hope that as you join me on these little three-part series of the God that I discovered that's really the real God in the Old Testament, I hope this will just encourage you. I hope that it will give you courage to seek, courage to believe, and courage to reject the fake God that maybe has been created and that isn't even real. So I look forward to next week talking about Ruth and the God that is revealed in the book of Ruth. And until then, guys, you know it. Just keep searching. If you enjoyed this podcast, I would love to have you join me over on my website at christylynnwood.com. For more content, free resources, and opportunities to connect with a community of people who are looking for the real God.